If you brought a Bible this evening, let's turn, please, to Second Peter, the third chapter. Are you ready to believe with me this evening? You know, utterance is greatly affected by the hearer. Both uh, Jesus and and Paul talked about with different groups of people that they would have gone into this or said this or that, but they said you can't hear it. You can't bear it. And so they didn't. So utterance is affected by hearers, isn't it? And, um, you know, Jesus talked about this. Don't cast your pearls before swine. Don't give that which is holy to the dogs. That's not just calling people names. It's dogs have no appreciation or distinction between what's holy and not. And pigs don't value a pearl any more than a pebble. Right? They don't know the difference and don't care. And so what the thought is, you shouldn't give precious things to people who don't care. But those that hunger and thirst after righteousness, the good things of God, they'll be filled. So can you hunger some tonight? Can you, can you stir up and help me? Because there's a lot here. There's a lot here. And, uh, uh, well, let's just get to it. Second Peter. Third chapter, Second Peter 3, and verse 16. It says, as also, well, let me back up to 15. He said, account the long-suffering of our Lord as salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given him, has written unto you. As also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures, unto their own destruction. Put up the Amplified on that one, please. The Amplified. He said there are some things in those epistles of Paul that are difficult to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist and misconstrue to their own utter destruction, just as they distort and misinterpret the rest of the scriptures. Is there twisting and distortion and misinterpreting of scriptures? Oh my you remember during the, when Jesus was tempted out in the wilderness those 40 days, the devil quoted scripture to him. You remember that? But it wasn't a right spirit about what he was quoting. You know, it wasn't a rightly divided truth. It wasn't what God was saying. And so many people have been led astray and, and gone astray and been confused and actually been robbed of the faith that they had. By people taking scriptures and twisting them and, and making them say things that they didn't say. He said, unlearned and unstable people. Do you reckon there's a number of unlearned people around and unstable people that like to act like they know a lot about the Bible and the things of God, but they twist it. They're saying that it says things that it's not saying. 
The Bible said, uh, uh, you know, let every, every word be established and confirmed in the mouth of two or three witnesses. The Bible talks about rightly dividing the scripture. Well, if you can rightly divide it, what else could you do? You could wrongly divide it. You can make the scripture say, you know, virtually anything. Pulling a phrase from here and a phrase from there. You know, you can just invent stuff. But you know, uh, it's kind of like uh, Brother Smith Wigglesworth years ago was said to have written a, a letter to a colleague. And uh, he was not educated. I mean, his, his wife, Polly, taught him how to write his name. He never <laughs> had been to school. He grew up working as a child and everything. And he had learned how to, to read some and, and write some, but not so hot. And uh, his minister, he said to him when he saw him, did, did you get my letter? He said, yeah, I did. He said, did you know, Brother Wigglesworth, you spelt uh, Holy Spirit, I think he said five or seven different ways in there. <laughs> he said, well, did you understand what I said? <laughs> he, said well, yeah. he said, well, that's all. That's all. And you know, it really is picky and prideful and ignorant the way people pick over grammar and language and definitions. It's a source of pride with so many people. Now, I'm not condoning seeing how lax and (laughs) ignorant you can act and sound. I mean, you know, make an effort, do the best you know how to do. But you know... The English language, for instance, if you know much about it, you know that not too long ago, it didn't sound at all like it does now. I mean, half the words were spelled differently, pronounced differently. Language is ever changing and and people get prideful about, well, I looked up this word and, and I know this in the Greek and I know that in the in the Hebrew. And did you understand what he was saying? That's it. Isn't it? And so uh, it's obvious that a lot of people don't understand what he's saying. They don't know him personally that well. And they just out of their mind take scriptures and turn them and twist them and make them say what they think. And then they act like they got scripture for it. (laughs) But it was their own invention. Now I want us to touch on an area that people have done this. It's in the area of healing. And I want us to go over some, some areas that people take scriptures and even it may say that, it may appear to say what they're saying, but again, we must rightly divide the scriptures. A lot of people have uh, been robbed of their faith by people quoting scriptures or parts of passages to them and You know, we believe in here, most all of us, that God's a healing God. And healing is his will for all of us. But we are in the minority worldwide of people that believe that. The majority of people believe something else. Now, a lot of people believe he can, but they don't believe it's always his will. And so I want us to take a number of of points as the Lord would allow us and help us. One of them, I want us to talk about, does God make people sick? Hmm? I see a lot of you shaking your head. I'm glad to see you shaking your head. 
But you understand millions upon millions of people believe that he does. And other many millions wonder if he does or not. Why do you believe different? What do you know about it? What are you standing on? Does God make people sick? We're going to talk about that. Then we're going to talk about what about Job? What about Job? We're going to talk some about, what about Paul's thorn in the flesh? Hmm? What about Elisha's sickness? What about Timothy's stomach? And what about Uncle Joe and ain't many? <laughs> what happened to them? Because they were good people. Are y'all with me, friends? Do you think this is worthwhile yes. to camp on this and spend some time on this? Very important. I've, uh, I've talked to people. I've known the situations of people in, in this country and other countries. They didn't know anything to speak of about the Bible or about the things of God. But they knew about Job. <laughs> and they knew about Paul's thorn. Anybody in here know what I'm talking about? You you say something about healing and, ah, you know, what about Job? What about Paul's thorn in the flesh? And there are millions of folks. I know that's a big number, but it's the truth. That have more faith in Job's boils and Paul's thorn than they do Jesus' stripes. Because they've heard more about it. And whatever you hear the most about is what you're going to have the most faith in. So what about these? People are either ignorantly or intentionally twisting things and misconstruing, misinterpreting. Some of it's honest. Some of it's not. Some of it's been taught for generations. You know, daddy and them believed it and Grandpa and them believed it, and they teach it to their kids. They teach it like it's Bible, and it's anti-Bible. It's against the Bible, but they think it's the Word, but it's not. Let's deal with this first one. Does God make people sick? The Bible says he does. Yes, it does. (laughs) you told me you were ready for this huh (laughs) that got quiet didn't it now it would help the reason why a lot of the folks have that response is because this ain't our first rodeo there's been I was talking to Dave today I guess we've had 60 something series since the church started um uh, man, there's, I don't know, what was the last count? There's 900 and something hours, uh, over 900, approaching 1,000 hours available for download. And there's series like Receiving and Ministering Healing, one and two, and By Stripes Were Healed, and God's Will to Heal. I mean, just scores and scores of hours that we've spent on this. And that's why so many folk, you're not happy about what I just said just then. <laughs> And that's good. But we're going to look at the other side of it. Why do all these people believe what they believe? You know, if most people 
worldwide don't believe what we believe, why do they believe something else? We're going to talk about this. But uh, if you're watching my internet, if you're in the house uh, tonight, and this is new to you, you need to get what these other folk have already heard. And it's available to you at no charge. What the Lord has given to us, we make it available to you at no charge. No charge means no excuse for not knowing it, not getting it, not getting it in you. So you can download it. You can go back to the word supply. But why did I just say that the Bible says that he does? Well, here we go. Got your Bible? Deuteronomy 28. Deuteronomy 28, 27. Y'all ready, right? Are we word people? Really word people? Or just our little rabbit trail through the Bible of our favorite scriptures and ignore everything else? Real word people take all the verses. Ones they think they like and ones they don't. Ones they understand and the ones they don't. They say they're all right. All of them's right. I want all of them. It says the Lord will smite you with the botch of Egypt. Now you don't even have to know what that is to know you don't want any of that. Right? <laughs> the botch of Egypt with the emirates. I don't want them either. With the scab, with the itch. Oh, not just an itch, the itch. Ooh. Sounds bad. <laughs> Whereof you cannot be healed. The incurable botch, incurable emerald scab, incurable itch. Verse 28. The Lord shall smite you with madness and blindness and astonishment of heart. Who's going to do it? Lord. Said the Lord would. See, some people that don't believe it's God's will to heal everybody. They'll quote some of this to you. Right? That's what one of the Bible said. God would smite you with sickness. There it is. Verse 61. Verse 61. Also every sickness and every plague which is not written in the book of this law. Them will the Lord bring upon you until you be destroyed. Who's going to bring them on you? Said the Lord would. The Lord would. Put some of these up as we go along. You might not have time to turn to all of them. Micah 6 and 13. Micah 6, 13. I will make you sick in smiting you and make you desolate because of your sins. 2 Samuel 12 and 15. 2 Samuel 12 and 15. Nathan departed to his house and the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bare unto David, and it was very sick. Who struck the child? Said the Lord struck the child. <laughs> I'm getting some strange looks all across the place. I can't believe you're reading these verses. You should not avoid verses. If something is the truth, it's the truth. It can stand the utmost scrutiny. Are you listening? Yeah. Truth can stand any amount of pressure yeah. and examination. Yeah. If it can't take it, it wasn't truth. You need to get rid of it anyway. Yeah. 
in uh, 1 Samuel 25 and 38. 1 Samuel 25 and 38 said it came to pass about 10 days after the Lord smote Nabal and he died. Who smote him? 2 Kings 15.5. 2 Kings 15.5. The Lord smote the king. So he was a leper to the day of his death. Everybody turn to Acts 12. 23. Turn to this one. Acts 12 and 23. It said immediately. The angel of the Lord smote him. This is New Testament, isn't it? New Testament. Because he gave not God the glory and he was eaten of worms. That's a bad way to go. I don't know. You might rather have the botch than (laughs) rather not have either one. (laughs) But who did it say smote these people? The Lord, the Lord, the Lord, the angel of the Lord. The Lord. So the Bible does say that the Lord smote with sickness, doesn't it? But all scripture must be understood in the light of other scripture. Right? You don't take, you don't take healing scriptures and ignore these. You don't take these and ignore healing scriptures. Right? They have to, if this is truth, and this is the holy inspired word of God, it all has to be right. Right? You hear people talking about errors in the Bible, mistakes, incongruencies, passages that disagree and contradict each other, contradictions. There is no such thing. Doesn't exist. It's just ignorant people talking about it. I'm not talking about ignorant in every area of their life. But in that area, when you say, well, I just don't understand that. Well, there's lots you don't understand. I know thing after thing. In my few years walking with the Lord, I've seen scripture and I'd scratch my head and I think, now how, how can that be if this is this way? But have enough sense to realize it's nothing wrong with the book. There's something wrong with you. It's a lack of understanding. It's ignorance. And some things, even if the Lord told you, you wouldn't understand it. What do you mean? I'm intelligent. I got a college degree, like I said. (laughs) The Lord calls us his little children. That's not a figure of speech. Once in a while I've tried to imagine how from his perspective and I can't but how little we know and understand compared to him. I, it's, it's hard to try to even get a scale of any kind, a grasp because we've only been here just a few days and he's always been. And we know so little. He knows everything. About everything. He knows the end from the beginning. And everything in between. And and we're trying to make it through the day. 
There's been times I've asked him questions. Lord, what does that mean? And he told me 15 years later. Of course, you know, I hadn't been thinking about it. You know, you don't think about something like that every day. And once in a while, I might think, and I thought, well, you know, Lord, I, I asked you about that. And sure enough, you know, 15 years later, it began to come to me. I began to see and understand that passage. And when I did, I saw what he hadn't already told me. I wouldn't have got it. I wouldn't have understood what he was talking about. Are there things a three-year-old can ask you that you just can't explain to them? You could tell them. That doesn't mean they'd know what you told them. So when you read something in the Word and you say, well, that just doesn't agree. Don't say such a dumb thing. You need to have some humility and say, I'm not seeing this. I know it's right. But I'm just, I don't see how that works with that. But I'm, I'm sure it does. Respect God. Respect His Word. If you're going to question something, question your little meager understanding. Don't question this Holy Word. Anybody think that's right? And it's really foolish to talk about how contradictions and you're really showing your ignorance then. Show some humility before the word. You still believe healing is right? You still believe God's the healer? He's not your problem? Well then what you believe has to agree with this. Doesn't it? Some way, somehow. Whether you see it or not. It has to. Doesn't it? And you're wishing I'd get to it too, aren't you? <laughs> In uh, Isaiah 66, 14, you don't have to turn there, but just put this up and let's talk about a couple of things right here. Isaiah 66, 14. He said, when you see this, your heart will rejoice, your bones will flourish like an herb. The hand of the Lord shall be known toward his servants and his indignation toward his enemies. It said the Lord will smite, the Lord will smite, the Lord will smite. Even if you believe that the Lord makes people sick, who gets what? Is it the same across the board? Does he treat his children the same as his enemies? In, uh, what is it? I believe it was the TEV, today's English version. Can y'all put that one up on this verse? The TEV? I think that's what it is. He said, when you see this happen, you'll be glad. It'll make you strong and healthy. And then you'll know that I, the Lord, help those who obey me. And I show my anger against my enemies. We were reading in Deuteronomy 28. How many know Deuteronomy didn't, didn't start, 28 doesn't start with being smitten with disease. What does it start with? If you'll hearken to my commandments, if you'll take heed and do what I tell you to do, what did he say? You'll be blessed when you go out. You'll be blessed when you come in. Blessing will be on your basket and your store and even your livestock. Won't cast its young and you'll be healed and you'll live long. You'll be protected. You'll prosper. Then he says, but if you won't, if you won't, then you won't be blessed. You'll be cursed. And that's when he said, and I'll smite you with this and that. So even if you believe 
that God is the one making people sick and smiting you. All you got to do is obey him. Come on now and follow him fully. And that doesn't apply to you. Are y'all with me now? Now, can you see what our text, we talked about how people take, they'll take verses that are written to rebellious. Did you hear me? Disobedient and try to apply them to faithful Christians that love the Lord. That is twisting the scriptures, isn't it? That's not right. But I still don't believe God is the one who makes you sick. But I said, do you understand what I just got through saying? Even if you say, well, I do. It said he smites, and so he smites. Even if you believe that. Okay? Who gets what? (laughs) Does God treat his kids the same as his enemies? No. No. We just got through reading. He shows his hand of blessing and power. Right? To his children. Talked about them flourishing and being healthy. His anger he shows to his enemies. Are you his enemy? Then that's not for you. Somebody say the curse is not for me. The punishment's not for me. (laughs) Galatians 3.13. Anybody know what it says? Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us. It's written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. Why? So that, next verse, the blessing, not the curse, not the curse, the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. We are not blasphemers. We are not rebellers against God. Those who defy Him. Those that deny His existence and refuse to obey Him. We are those born of Him. We're His very own children. We want to do His will. We want to serve Him. We want to follow Him. The curse is not for us. Say it out loud. The curse is not for us. The curse is not for me. The blessing is on me. Glory to God. Does the curse exist? Does judgment exist? Certainly it does. But that's for those that reject him. Refuse him. That's not for us. But notice this. Go to Exodus the 12th chapter. Exodus chapter 12. Verse 20. Well, we need to start in verse 12. Actually. Exodus 12. And 12. The Lord says, Exodus 12, 12, I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Who's going to smite them? He said he was going to do it. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. 
and the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. So not everybody is getting smitten. Huh? Some is getting smitten. And some is not. Whatever you decide you want to believe about this, surely you would acknowledge not everybody's getting the same thing. And the ones that are covered by the blood. The smiting, the destruction, the death passes over them. And touches them not. (laughs) But keep reading. Go on down in the chapter. To the 23rd verse. And here's some real enlightenment. For the Lord will pass through. To smite the Egyptians. Who's going to do it? Said the Lord. And when he sees the blood upon the lintel and on the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come into your houses to smite you. Hold on, hold on. Who's actually doing the smiting? So even though the Lord is saying he's doing it, The ones that's actually doing the smiting is the destroyer. So this is to be understood. And we will come back to this again and again. We're going to see it several different ways. When the Lord says he smites. When the Lord says he destroys. If you look at other scriptures you'll understand what's happening. Is he is passing judgment that allows the destroyer to destroy. We're going to see this clearer as we get into the New Testament with it. Because it's crystal clear in the New Testament. I want you to know our Father God is good. And what comes out of Him is good. He is light. And in Him is no darkness At all. And when you're talking about something that's stealing and killing and destroying, it was not the hand of the Lord. It was the destroyer. And the Bible refers in the New Testament. It has two two names for the devil in the book of Revelation. Apollyon and Abaddon. And both of them mean destroyer. He is the destroyer. The one who's actually doing the destroying. Read it again. I want this to sink in real good. Verse 23. The Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians. When he sees the blood upon the lintel and on the two side posts. He'll pass over and what? He'll what? He won't suffer. Which means allow. He won't allow. The destroyer to come in into your houses to smite you. So when you're seeing it saying the Lord destroyed, the Lord smote, it is in the sense of him allowing it to happen. He allowed it. Is there a difference between permitting and committing? There is. 
He permits it. He allows it. To personally do something is not the very same as allowing something to be done. Let me read some other verses to you. You see this throughout the scriptures. Judges 2 and 14. They'll put it up on the screen for us. It says, the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. And what did he do? What did he do? He delivered them into the hands of spoilers that spoiled them. Who actually spoiled them? It wasn't the Lord. But he's the one that allowed it. And delivered them into their hands. He sold them into the hands of their enemies round about. So that they could no longer stand before their enemies. Now as sure as you start talking about that. People say well okay alright. Maybe he didn't actually do it. But he allowed it. He must have had some reason. He must have had some purpose in his plan. Is he allowing this to happen? Because these people have obeyed him. And pleased him. And done what he told them to do. Certainly not. So then when you say, well, yeah, but if he allowed it, it must be his will. Not any more than the reason he allowed it was his will. Come on, can you see this, friends? If you say this is his will, then the thing that caused him to allow it would turn to be his will. That can't be. They're in this situation because of idol worship, because of refusing to obey God, because of killing the very prophets that he sent to them. I mean, they did abominable things. They burned their babies on altars in fire. And there comes a point with sin that if it's not judged and not repented of, judgment will come. But even then, God's not the destroyer. He's not the problem. He's not the killer. He's not the stealer. He's not the destroyer. But he sold them into the hands of their enemies. They could no longer stand before their enemies. How many know without, you know, we heard about the uh, uh, bomb thing in, in New York City that was averted. And how many times we've heard about things. How many know without the Lord keeping us and helping us, we'd be easy prey? Easily picked off and just already long gone. And if we as a nation reject God and abandon God and blaspheme God and worship other gods to a point far enough, he could say, well, you're on your own. You don't want me. And without his help, we could be sold into the power or hands of our enemies. And what would they do? They will destroy us. And it wouldn't be God destroying us. Can you see this friends? Do you understand God's not our problem? Never has been. Never will be. Let's keep reading. We need to establish this. I know I'm going line upon line. But we need to. This is not what brother Keith thinks. We're reading scriptures right? Nehemiah 9, let me read some of this to you. Same principle, Nehemiah 9 and 26. You see the cycle that they were in, and it's the same cycle that nations are in today. 
It said, nevertheless, they were disobedient. They rebelled against you. They cast their law behind your backs. They slew your prophets, which testified against them, to turn them to thee. They were trying to get them to repent. Why? So that this bad stuff wouldn't happen. And they wrought great provocations. Verse 27. Therefore, as a result, when it went long enough and far enough, what happened? He delivered them into the hand of their enemies. And who vexed them? Who did it? Not God. God's not vexing them. They're enemies. Who'd been trying to vex them all the time, but couldn't get to them because God was protecting them. But now, they've been turned over into their enemies' hands. And when they cried unto you, Even after all the abominable, horrible stuff they had done, not just for a year or two, but for decade after decade, you heard them from heaven. And according to your manifold mercies, you gave them saviors who saved them out of the hand of their enemies. Hallelujah. How many know when my people who are called by my name humble themselves, pray, what else, what else? Turn. From their wicked ways. What will happen? You won't be left in the hand of your enemies. He'll forgive. He'll heal. Isn't that right? Keep reading. Let's finish reading that verse. You saved them out of the hand of their enemies. You gave them saviors. Next verse. But after they had rest. After they got free from their enemies. After the, the markets regained their composure. And after the economy came back up and everybody was hiring again and there was plenty of money and there wasn't any fighting in the streets, they did evil again. So what happened? So you left them in the hand of their enemies again. You know, some people are slow learners. Most of humanity. So that they had the dominion over them. Yet when they returned and they cried to you, what happened? You heard them from heaven. And this didn't happen two or three times. Many times. Can you see this cycle? Can you see the cycle? This is true whether you're talking about a nation or a church or a town or a family or a person. This is true. If you will walk with the Lord. If you'll keep yourself in his plan and in his ways, if you'll obey him and walk close to him, he will keep you. His angels will keep guard about you. His spirit will be in you and over you. Are you listening? And the wicked one touches you not. But, but, you get hard-headed, you get stiff-necked, you're going to do it your way. You ignore God's plan for your life. You go, oh, it may not happen in a week or two or in a month or two. But you keep going that way far enough. You're going to be left in the hand of your enemies. And bad things are going to happen. And judgment. There's some really good news about this we're going to get to in just just a little bit. Who is the destroyer? Not God. The devil. Does God make people sick? He's not the author of sickness and disease. Have you ever read the Genesis account? Hmm? 
First day God created this, and the second day he created that. On which day did God create cancer? Hmm? On which day did God create AIDS? High blood pressure. Heart disease. Hmm? Which day? When God got through making everything that he had made, what did he say? Behold, it is very good. Can you look at cancer and say, behold, it is very good? Because hmm? it's not good. And it irritates me to hear people talking about, well, it was a blessing in disguise. It is not a blessing in disguise or otherwise. It's a curse. And thank God we can have victory over it. The Lord can help us. Can he? But you got to fight it. See, if you think it's from God, why would you try to get rid of it anyway? See, people are inconsistent about, well, maybe the Lord wants me to have this. Well, you better figure it out one way or the other. Because if he does want you to have it, quit going to the doctor trying to get out of the will of God. See, people only believe this stuff in church. When they get outside, they don't believe it. They try to get free, as you ought to try to get free. But both of them can't be right. If it's not from God, then let's fight it. Let's fight it with medicine. Let's fight it with this. Let's fight it with everything at our disposal and with our faith. If it is from God, let's don't try to get rid of it. Let's submit to the will of God completely. True or not? We just don't know. Well, you better figure it out. Because you don't know whether to, whether you're washing or hanging out. <laughs> right? Going or coming. <laughs> Psalm 78, 61. Psalm 78, 61. You don't have to turn there. Uh, he delivered his strength into captivity. And his glory into the enemy's hand. God passes judgment that allows the destroyer access. This is a fact. He is the righteous judge of all the earth. Right? And he won't pervert justice for you or me. Or anybody. But because he passes judgment that allows the destroyer access. That does not mean it pleased him. Nor that it was his will. The Lord allows a multitude of things every day. That grieve him. Are you with me? That grieve. Did somebody die on the planet today without Jesus lost? Did that please him? No. Certainly not. Was it his will? No. Absolutely. Some people say, well, you know, maybe it was. The Bible says it is not his will that any should perish, but that all should come. Is that true or not? Then they died lost. Against his will. Didn't they? But he allowed it. Didn't he allow it? He allowed it. 
So just because he allows something in no way proves it was his will. Are y'all with me, saints? Now we're in the heart of where millions are twisting scriptures and distorting truth. Well, the Lord allowed it. He must have had some purpose in it. Millions, millions of good church going people adhere to the belief that everything that happens is the will of God. And that God is in total control of everything which includes war and rape and murder and you and cancer, you name it. So if it happened, it was him. And whether you understand it or not, it was his will. And you just need to submit to it and accept it. These are people who are unlearned and unstable. Wrestling with the scriptures. Twisting them. Making them say what they do not say. Are you with me, friends? Does God allow things? Bad things? Yes. Is it his will? No. Does it please him? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I can prove it to you. Further. In the scriptures. In Lamentations 3. And verse 32. What does it say? Though he cause grief. Talking about God. Yet will he have compassion. According to the multitude. Of his mercies. Verse 33. Read that out loud with me. For he does not afflict willingly nor grieve the children of men. It said he did it. But he doesn't do it, which means allow it. Willingly. Listen to the the NIV of that 33rd verse. The 33rd verse He does not willingly bring affliction or grief to the children of men. Then how must he be doing it? Unwillingly. This bothers people's head because they've been taught wrong things. God is sovereign. He's sovereign. They don't even have a clue what that means. He's sovereign. Okay. What verse are you quoting? What does that mean? It bothers them that God is doing anything unwillingly. But he is. He's allowing all kind of things on this planet. Not only is it not his will, it's grieving him. It's grieving him to let it happen. But he has to. He has to. Because if he didn't let it happen, he'd be perverting justice. If he didn't let it happen, the devil could point a finger at him at judgment day. So how can you judge me? You let them do the same thing without judgment. 
Did you hear me? He has to. He's not the killer. He's not the thief. But he has to allow these things to come and happen even though they don't please him. They're not his will. They're actually grieving. Am I reading the Bible, saints? Is this the scripture? The NIV says it in a similar way. The NIV, what does it say? He does not willingly. Somebody say willingly. If he's not doing it willingly or allowing it willingly, how's he doing it? Unwillingly, which means it's not his will. True or not? Hosea 11.8, you'll get some insight into the heart of God. Don't put it up just quite yet, but be ready. We are created in the likeness and image of God. Is that true? That means he's a whole lot like us. Now when you say that, folks go, well, are we like him? You can't be like him and him not be like you. It's like taking two of these chairs here, holding them up and going, this chair is just like this chair. But this chair is not like this chair. Are we made in his likeness and image? Are we like him? Then he must be like us. Minus the sin. (laughs) And messed up parts. But even so, he must be a lot like us. In the way he is and what he is. People don't like to, to hear you talk like that. But. We're not the ones making ourselves like him. He's the one made us like him. Didn't he? Why am I saying that? We have emotions. We have feelings. If you're a person of honor, you do things that may be different than what you'd like to do or want to do, but honor holds you. Integrity holds you. Things that might cost you or But if you have to do it, you can have some strong feelings about him. You can be hurt. Then you know the Bible Bible talks about God being hurt. God having joy. God gets mad. He sings. Huh? He grieves. That sounds familiar. Sounds like us. You know why? Because he's like us. Because he made us like him. Minus the junk. Listen to this. You get insight. In uh, Hosea 11. Hosea 11 and 8. The Lord is doing what we read in these previous verses. He is selling his people into the hand of their enemy. Their sin has been so great and terrible and it's gone on so long that judgment has finally come and he's turning them over into the hands of their enemies. What's their enemy going to do to them? Destroy them. Does God afflict willingly or grieve the children? said, he does not. Listen to his heart. How shall I give you up, Ephraim? How shall I deliver you, 
Israel, how shall I make you as Adma or, or set you as Zeboam? These are places that have been judged, destroyed. My heart is turned within me. Do you know who's talking here? Do you know who's talking here? This is the Almighty. My heart is turned within me. My repentings are kindled together. Does he want to do this? No. Does he want to see his people go through this? Can you see his heart? But he has no choice. They've killed his prophets. His babies he gave them to raise and teach his commandments. They burn them on altars. They've worshipped every rock and star and blasphemed everything he told them to do. And they've done it month after month and year after year after year. And he warned them and pled with them and sent them his best and they murdered them. So now it, it's got to the point where he cannot let it go any longer. He would be unjust and unfair if he didn't judge it and pronounce judgment over it. But can you see it's pulling his heart? His heart is, you, you know, you and I love and can touch and feel, but our capacity doesn't compare with his. He is love. Nobody ever cared more than him or was touched more than him. The Bible tells us he's touched with the feeling of our infirmities. But he won't pervert justice for you, me, or anybody. Look in the New Testament. 1 Corinthians. I need to go a little further. Can you stay hooked? Can you stay with me? I know this is different from last Friday. But you don't just need tater chips and ice cream. Every day. Huh? Huh? May need some cauliflower, broccoli, turnip greens. <laughs> I lost somebody, didn't? <laughs> Do we love the whole Word of God? Do we the whole counsel of God? Is all of it right? Is all of it good? It is. It's truth. It'll make you free. You shouldn't be afraid of any of these verses or be confused in your mind. Be subject to somebody twisting you or talking you out of your faith. You need to know what you believe. Don't you? And why? And where? 1 Corinthians 5 and 5. There was a man in the church living with his father's wife. Isn't that right? And I guess we're still doing stuff in the church. And they were acting like it was all okay. And the Spirit of God through Paul told them it wasn't okay. Uh, too many churches have lowered the bar to the ground concerning these things. There is fornication and adultery all over the place. In the ministry and in the pew. And people are, are saying, well, I'm just, I'm only human. I'm just a man. She's just a woman. We're weak. And I'm not, 
talking about isolating and cutting somebody off permanently that made a, a sin, committed a sin, made a mistake, messed up. But the problem is people are not repenting. I said they're not repenting. They're doing it again and again and again. And the reason they just keep doing it is because they never repented. Oh, they cried. They felt bad. A lot of times it's mostly because they got caught. But no repentance. What did the Spirit of God say through Paul about this? What did he tell him to do? He said, deliver such a one to God for the destruction of the flesh. Turn him over to God for the destruction of the flesh. No, because God's not the destroyer of the flesh or the destroyer, period. Satan for the destruction of the flesh. Not so that it be the end. So that what? It's always about restoration. It's always about salvation. That the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. There is something worse than dying from being sick. It's going to hell. It's missing God completely. It's getting alienated from God. Hmm? Deliver them to Satan, not God. This answers a myriad of questions right here. Let your ear be attentive. Next time somebody talks about God getting them and God destroying them, remember this. If God does it, why do they have to turn him over to the devil? It would have said turn him over to God. God will teach him. God will turn him every way, but loose time he gets through with him, he'll, he'll be repenting. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Delivered to the devil. Isn't this exactly the same principle we read about in the Old Testament? Delivered into the hands of their enemies. And if it comes to that, what is the heart of God? We read it in Hosea. Does it please God? Is he indifferent about it? His heart is grieved. He said it month after month and year after year for it got to the point where it, he had no choice. How can I turn you over? How can I let them see, you know, watch them do that to you? What, what a feeling to have these mighty angels that were created and sent to protect you and just have to have them stand there and watch with their hands folded. They could so easily snatch you out of there. Did you hear me, friend? But they can't because you've got yourself into a place of judgment. Is God able to keep us? Yes, he is. Does he want to keep us? Yes, he does. It's his will. It pleases him. Do we have a part to play in it? Is some of it up to us? And that's the part that millions have ignored or rejected. Millions adhere to what I call no-fault religion. No matter what happens, it's not my fault. No matter what doesn't happen, good or bad, it's not my fault. God in His infinite wisdom does all these things we don't understand. But you just have to accept. I've seen people at funerals 
that lost their baby brother and lost their, their child sister and lost this one and that one. And those unlearned and unstable come and twist the scripture and tell them that God did that. And they didn't, they don't understand it, but they need to love him and serve him and, and submit to him. I've seen people look at, get a hard look in their face and cuss. And say, if that's God, blankety blank, I don't want anything to do with him. And walk out and never darken the church door again. But it's a lie. I said, it's a lie. It is not true. God didn't do it. Come on, are you listening? God didn't do it. And he didn't want to allow it. But he had no options. And there's a lot of things we don't see and understand down here. But when we do, we'll go, oh, I understand. I see. It'll be plain to us one day. How many know it will? And how many believe that when you finally see it and when you finally understand it, you'll look over to the almighty father sitting on the throne and you'll say, you were just and you were merciful. And you never let us down. And you were ever faithful. How many believe you'll say it? You will say it. Because you'll see it. And you'll know it. And all these fools shaking their fists at God. In this life and generation after generation. That ain't right. That ain't fair. How can a loving God do this or let this happen? They're just ignorant. Because he is faithful. Somebody say he's faithful. He is good. Whether we see it or not. Whether we understand it or not. He's good. He's merciful. His will is good. His heart is good. How many believe he's for you? He's not against you. I mean if he was against us. What's the use of getting up in the morning? I mean you're done. How in the world are you going to make it through that? You, he's not against us. The Bible tells us. He's for us. And if God be for us. Who? Including our enemies. What we need to do. Is see to it. That we don't do anything. That gets in the way. Of him being for us. Hmm? Skip on down to the 11th chapter in this 1 Corinthians. Does God make people sick? Well, the Bible said that he smites and makes sick. But it must be understood in the light of other scripture. And the understanding is that when he says he does it, he passes judgment. That allows the destroyer access. And it in no way proves that it pleases him. Nor was his plan. Nor was his will. Listen carefully now. To say that the results of the judgment are the will of God. Is to say that the cause of the judgment is the will of God. The wages of sin is death, 
To say that the death is the will of God is to say that the sin that caused it and brought it about is the will of God. And the only way you and I could say that everything that has happened to us has been the will of God is to say that everything that I have ever done has been the will of God. I see smiles and shaking heads all over the place. So then we understand why things have happened in our life that's not the will of God. Because we have done things that are not the will of God. And yes, he has allowed stuff, but he's allowed what we've allowed. If we'll disallow it and we'll bind it, He'll bind it and disallow it. If we yield to it and give it place and allow it, He will allow it. Doesn't mean it's His will. 1 Corinthians 11. Here is some of the best news you have heard all day and all night. Right here. Are you ready? Are you ready? Uh, That's three or four people. 1 Corinthians 11. And uh, verse 27. We read this first part of this passage. Virtually every time that we observe communion. But it's not the whole passage. Is it? Well let me back up so you'll, you'll recognize it. Verse 23. I've received of the Lord. Well, that which I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner, he took the cup. When he had supped, he said, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Have you heard that before? Yes. Mm-hmm. Verse 27 keeps going, though. Wherefore? Whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. And let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eats and drinks unworthily eats and drinks damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, many are what? Weak. And what? Sickly. Among you and many sleep. That means they've died. It's referring to physical death. Not soul sleep, not spirit sleep, body sleep. The spirit doesn't sleep. Soul doesn't sleep. But he's talking about believers. They're part of the same church you and I are part of. Tongue talkers. Authority in the name of Jesus. Same gospel we preach. Isn't this 1 Corinthians? New Testament. And he said, there's a number of you that are weak. Is that the will of God? Sickly. Is that the will of God? They've died. Died young. Died middle-aged. Died prematurely. Is that the will of God? No. Did God let it happen? Yes. How did he let it happen? He passed judgment that allowed the destroyer access. Was it his will? No. Did it please him? No. In fact, we read in Hosea where it grieved him. 
He does not willingly do it. Keep reading. Verse 31, for what? If we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. Oh, this is shouting ground. This, this is an answer of answers right here. Like we're saying earlier, even if you want to say, well, it said God smite, so God smite. Yeah, but who gets what? Even if you want to be like that about it, who gets what? Who gets judged? Is there a way of not getting judged? (laughs) Is there a way of not getting in the situation where you turned over into the hands of your enemy? Is there a way? Come on, is there a way? Yes! What is the way? Oh, this is, this is so wonderful news. If you would judge yourself, you won't be judged. You won't be judged. What does that mean? It means the devil can't touch you. Even though you messed up, even though you blew it. Oh, come on. Even though you sowed some bad stuff. And from one stand upon another, it looks like you got it coming. Even though. If you'll judge yourself. Come on, read the rest of the verse. I I didn't write this. If, if you judge yourself. Help me out, saints. What? You what? Are you interested in this? If you will judge yourself, you won't be judged. Glory. Somebody say glory. So if anybody has a seminar on judging yourself, you ought to be the first one to sign up. Is that right? But see, people don't think that. They go, oh, judging? Judging myself? Friend, you ought to be excited about getting to be an expert at judging yourself. Because why? Because that is keeping your little hide safe from being just that is keeping you in a place where God can keep you and the wicked one cannot touch you glory Phyllis and I were talking about this the other day I mean we're going all over the place and you know a lot of travel and a lot of things and you know you Bad things happen to people in different places and accidents and crashes and all that kind of stuff. And you know the devil doesn't want us expanding. He doesn't want us preaching the gospel and reaching more people and people getting saved. People get to thinking about that and they think, Ooh, man, I wonder if the devil's moving me up on his hit list. Ooh, ooh, that's dangerous. I said, that's dangerous because if you get in fear about that, you make yourself susceptible to it. We're going to be talking about Job here after a while. And you know what happened to him? His fears came on him. Isn't that right? No, no. I am confident that if we will keep ourselves in the will of God. Come on, are you listening to me say? And if we miss it, if we'll judge ourselves and get right and stay right. Come on, are you listening? That no matter what the enemy would want to do or try to do, he can't. He can't. He can't. Because ain't nobody bigger than God. And the only way the devil can get to me is if God does this. 
He doesn't want to do that. He never wants to do that. And if it ever got to the place where he had to do it, it's entirely my fault. Are you with me, friend? Because if I'd have judged myself, and I'm telling you, God, have you read this book? God is so merciful. He will go with people you would have written them off 20 years ago. And he will bear with them. So if it comes to the point where he said that's it, there is every reason why. And he's just. But it never had to be that way. Tell me what they could have done. Tell me, tell me. They could have judged themselves. And if they would have, they wouldn't have been judged. Read the next verse. Read the next verse. But when we are judged, we're chastened of the Lord. That we should not be, even here is the mercy of God. Why? Not just so we have a hard time. But what about that guy they're talking about? That is the chastening of the Lord. Being turned over into the hands of your enemy. Delivered into the devil for the destruction of the flesh. Why? So that his spirit would be saved. Now it would just be so much better if a person wasn't that hard headed. That it got to that kind of place. And wouldn't listen. I don't want to be that way. How about you? The psalmist said don't be like the horse or mule. That you got to put the bit in their mouth. Or else they won't come to you. They won't turn. You got to force them to do what you want them to do. I want to be like a rain trained horse. Horse that don't even need a bit. Huh? You may know what rain trained horse is. You know that big old horse, big old thick skin, big old muscled neck, but they just feel that little leather strap just laying up. It must be slight to them. It's just laying up against their neck and they just yield and go that way. Ain't nobody making them do it. They just yield to it. Somebody say, that's me, that's me. That's me. The Holy Spirit deals with me. I just go that way. I just go that way. And how many know if you'll do that, if you'll yield to him, the Bible said, yield yourselves to God. Submit yourself to God. And then resist the devil. And what will happen? Why will he flee from you? You're in a protected place when you're yielded and submitted to God. But if you're in rebellion against God, you can be in an exposed place instead of a protected place. 31 again. I want you to read this as we close. Read it out loud. What is what did the scripture? New Testament, Holy Bible, say. Go ahead. Everybody stand up. You, you can read it on the screen. Everybody stand up. What did you say? If we would judge ourselves, what does it mean, judge yourself? If you're wrong, call it wrong. If you need to change, say it. Call sin, sin. If you did it, say you did it. What does 1 John 1, 9 say? If we what? If we confess our sin. He's faithful and just to forget. Starts off with you confess. Wouldn't that be judging yourself? If you're hawing around playing games. Well I don't know. Maybe I did. Maybe I didn't. Some folk think it's wrong. Some people think it's okay. You're not judging yourself. Be honest about what's in your heart. You know you did it. 
You judge yourself. How many of there needs to be some contriteness? There needs to be, you know, when we've missed it and we've come short, we've failed God. There doesn't need to be this, well, everybody's missed it in those areas. That will get you judged. You better put your nose in the carpet. You better get serious and call sin, sin. And judge yourself. Repent doesn't just mean feel bad about it. Repent means change. Doesn't it? And if you'll really judge yourself and really repent. Tell me the good news, saints. Tell me the good news. You won't be judged. Oh, come on. Put up your hands and praise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on, close your eyes. Lift up your hand. Just thank Him. Thank Him for His mercy. Thank Him for His grace. Thank Him for His goodness. Oh, praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you. Praise you. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.